Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Supertalk TV. Today, we're talking about a great event that Festival South is presenting to us, Your Cheatin' Heart. It's a concert celebrating the centennial of the birth of Hank. Williams. It's coming up Thursday, October the 12th at 7.30 at the Sanger Theater. And joining us to tell us a little bit more about this great event is Dr. Jay Dean. He is the founding artistic director of Festival South. And then we got David and Terry Church, who will be bringing Hank Williams to the Berg. So, welcome all. Hello. Thanks for having us on. So, I'm going to start with you, Jay. Hello, Terry. I'm going to start with you, though, Jay. You are the director for Festival South. I feel like that's a festival so many of us are getting to know and appreciate that happens in Hattiesburg. How did this all come about as part of this growing festival? Well, Hank Williams, of course, is a a very, very well-known American songwriter, probably one of the most influential songwriters in the American music history. And uh, we like to celebrate great artists of all types, and whether they're performers or composers or visual artists or whatever. And 2023 is the centennial of his birth, and we we thought it would be a great idea not only to do this in in Hattiesburg on October 12th, but also in Jackson, Mississippi, at Dooling Hall on the 13th, and then in Natchez, Mississippi, at the Woodlands Event Center on the 14th. So we have three days of Hank Williams tribute concerts around Mississippi. So that's why we chose to do that so all three of these cities could enjoy this great event. Oh, how cool is that? And I know, David, you are considered the number one Hank Williams tribute artist in the world. That's a pretty big um, shoe to fill. Um, when did you start playing Hank Williams? Um, first of all, thanks for having us. And to answer that question, I've been you know, singing and playing Hank Williams music since I was a kid. And, um, you know, his, as Jadine said there, his music has just been a, a big influence to many artists, uh, songwriters and, and singers across this nation. And uh, I just happen to be one of them. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're a pretty good one. And you got your wife by your side, Terry. So when you yeah. take on somebody, somebody like Hank Williams, I mean, how do you approach it? Because obviously you're not him, but your job is to, you know, pay respect and give the best, I guess, performance possible or the or do his work justice. Do you have like a way of sort of getting into the Hank Williams mindset? Um, not really. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I sing his music throughout the years and just try to capture his 
vocal techniques and 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 um, sound as much as uh, as I can uh, to his music. I mean, there's only one Hank Williams, obviously, uh, but uh, just to deliver his music as close to, uh, to his style as possible. Well, let me ask the wife, Terry. Does he change when he gets on stage? Does he morph into Hank Williams? You know, it's it's really pretty interesting um, when he puts on his hat and his suit. There is what I would call a transformation. It's, I mean, David never really tried to sound like Hank. He just does. But when he puts on that suit, you can tell it's serious, and he wants to do the best job he does. And, and it's just, to me, as his wife, seeing him all the time, being with him all the time, it's just, to me, it's a transformation that's amazing. Does it ever get old playing Hate Williams, David? No, it doesn't. You know, there's uh, many tribute artists of uh, great uh, uh, acts around this country, and, uh, you know, to be in the... Uh, in the path of, of Hank Williams, um, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to do that. So what will the night be like? I hear now Jay has lined up three wonderful nights in different parts of the state for us to hear your cheating heart, which is a celebrating Hank Williams. And so how will the night sort of set up in terms of concert? Will it be all Hank Williams cover songs? Will there be some of y'all's thrown in there? What can we expect? Yeah, we you know we like to open the show and and um, you know do uh, several Hank songs. Uh, his uh, as many as his number one hits. We had he had eleven number one hits, and of course he wrote over one hundred twenty nine songs. So it's pretty tough to capture them all. But we like to do uh, in the first um, half of the set. We do uh, North Bournemouth uh, several Hank songs, and then we like to cover a few of the classic artists uh, as well, and then some of our original material. Which that gives the people a little bit of a variety for them to come out and sort of enjoy. Terry, what's yes. your favorite song to hear David uh, sing of Hank Williams? Well, it's probably my favorite song as, as well as, you know, thousands and thousands of fans all over the United States and all over the world. He has a song that he wrote. And for some reason, people think it's a Hank Williams song. It does. Has that has that old style technique to it, but it's called "I Still Need and Still Want You," and uh, it's a beautiful song. Jay, oh, did you say Hank? Yes, either one, or you can do one, or also of Hank's. Sure. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, there's just so many Hank songs. It's hard to find a uh, one that that you like the best. I like Kalijah. That's one of my favorites, and I think you know I can say that's a lot of the fans' favorites all over the place. Well, there is a lot of favorites, and I know that people will be excited no matter what your playlist is going to be. Jay, you mentioned three great places for folks to come out and hear the Your Cheating Heart uh, concert. I think the first one does start there in Hattiesburg on October the 12th and then Jackson on the 13th. And remind me where that third place is going to be. It's in Natchez on the 14th. Uh, I want to say one thing about Hank Williams. You know, people uh, who don't know a lot about Hank Williams associate his music with just country music, but it's not just country music. He influenced so many people who are, who are jazz artists and blues artists. And I mean, without Hank Williams, Elvis Presley would have been different without Hank Williams. The Rolling Stones would have been different. All, all these, all these people in these rock and roll and country and, and pop genres 
the sound would be different, the, the techniques would be different. And Hank Williams plays an important, very important part of that history, and that's, that's what we're trying to celebrate uh, at the Sanger Theater on Thursday, October 12th, and at Dueling Hall on Friday, October 13th in Jackson, and at the uh, Woodlands Wedding, it's a, a Woodlands Event Center in Natchez, Mississippi, on the 14th. So it's 12, 13, and 14 in Jack in Hattiesburg, Jackson, and Natchez. It's hard to believe he would have been a hundred years old. I know we've probably got many listening to good things who remember him when he was still with us, and you know, um, you know, to climb in the charts, and now to think, gosh, looking back, this would have been his, you know, one hundredth uh, birthday. It's hard to put into perspective. David, did you ever get the chance to? to meet your hero in person or was that just you know didn't the stars didn't line up for that yeah no he was gone before i was born he died in, in uh, january of 1953 i came along a few years later but uh, uh you know i've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of hank's family and friends throughout the years uh, many of them are gone now but uh you know being able to uh you know get personal with them and and hear some of the stories uh and some of the some of the things that that Hank was, uh, you know, noted for, it, it's it's been a just a pleasure for me. Well, for an artist whose songs stay so relevant and still they find themselves on, you know, today's radio, we forget like a hundred years was a long time ago, right? Like he really has sort of transcended time. So for some of us, we don't recognize what the age or the range would have been whenever he left us or when he first came onto the scene. So I think you're going to have a wild, wide variety of folks who are going to want to come out and sort of hear what you guys are, are doing. David and Terry, is this your first trip to Mississippi or have y'all ever been here before? No, no, we've performed in Mississippi several times uh, with promoters in the South and, in north and uh um you know it's just we got a lot of good friends and down in that area and uh we're looking forward to coming back when you come do you make sure you get something do you get some barbecue some fried fish is there anything oh, on yeah. your must-do list when you when you travel back to to mississippi yeah well, barbecue absolutely uh some of the best in the world down there and uh so well terry you make sure you keep him safe and you guys have safe travels this way i know it's coming soon and tickets will go fast so jay remind us again where do we go to get our tickets uh well you can go to festivalsouth.org or you can go to uh operamississippi.org or you can go to natchezfestivalmusic.org and stay tuned for more festival south because you guys will be gearing back up for 2024 correct yes Good deal. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all's time, David and Terry. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks a lot for having us. All righty. Thank guys... you very much. Uh huh. You guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next.
making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget you can listen to us when you're streaming live over at supertalk.fm. You can also stream us from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And don't forget Supertalk Mississippi news team. They are covering your Mississippi stories. If you want to stay up to date, you can sign up for their free weekly newsletter over at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. Fun fact about Hank Williams Jr., now, I wanted to say junior during the whole interview for Hank Williams, because at least for my generation, I would think for many of yours, junior has come behind Hank Williams in conversation or in music. But he is an avid Mississippi fisherman. He bring he comes to Mississippi several times a year during the crappie, I guess, what do you call it, spawn? In the Mm -hmm. spring specifically, and he takes guided tours all over the Barnett Reservoir. He also goes to Natchez and fishes. So he loves crappie fishing in Mississippi. And the only the last I could find of his dad, Hank Williams, being in Mississippi was in 1952. He performed in Corinth, Mississippi. So maybe maybe you were there for that. Maybe not. A hundred years is a long time um, to be alive. So forgive me if, if I don't get my my sort of dates uh, around. But, you know, who would have been around when Hank Williams was born? Actually, who would have been two years older than Hank Williams, who's still with us? Miss Ruby Martin. If you've been over to the Good uh, the Good Things Facebook group, you would have seen that they celebrated her 102nd birthday on September the 20th. She is a Neshoba County native. She was the youngest of 10 children, and she grew up to be the first in her family to earn a high school diploma. She graduated from Dixon High School in the late 1930s. And, yeah, so she says the secret to a long life for her daughter, Nell, is I think if you were to ask my our mother what the secret to living to 102 would be, she would tell you that you wake up in the morning, God has given you another day, so you just do the best you can to get through that day. Oh, you have no idea, Ruby. You just, <laughs> we're all doing our best. To get through each day, living and honoring God and all the blessing he has given you. How cool is that? Would you want to live to 102? Yeah, if I was with it, I guess. Um, (laughs) You know, if I, if, yeah, I think I would. Is there anything, like, in terms of as you get wiser in days, Some days I would say no, Rebecca. Some days I would say, Lord, take me now. Think of it, though. When you think of Miss Ruby and you think of Hank Williams, although he left out long, long time ago, a uh, hundred years. Or even think of, like, I think of, like, my grandparents, right? You would think if, if you if you had grandparents or great-grandparents and their birthday rolls around, it's always fun to sit there and do the math. Like, how old would Granny have been this year? Because, you know, it's not something you necessarily always think about. And you start to recognize these people in your life who passed away when they were wiser in years by the time you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s. Man, they would have been 100 or over. My granny would have been over 100. She was born in 1920. So she would been 104. And it's like to think if she was still with us and the fact that she might could have been, look at Miss Ruby, and what all they would have seen in 100 years. I don't, you know, I'm approaching 40. I'm not even halfway there. And I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to see another, another 60. But have you, taking those time, though, with those that, 
are your grandparents or the oldest in your family? Because not everyone has the the great privilege of having those that reach those type of milestone birthdays and really having those conversations with them about like what was life like when you grew up? What all have you seen? Like what has been the biggest, you know, sort of world transformation that you have you've witnessed is is really is really cool i mean you even see it with your kids now i mean and the little meme that's going around right now on facebook i think robert st john shared it too was my kids asked me what games i like to play on my ipad and he was like son we used to um talk into the into the isolating fan to make it change noises to make funny sounds for you know for entertainment and so your kids already have no idea what it was like whenever you know you were growing up at sort of there at that age darren and jackson says my great-grandmother was 101 when she passed she was spunky till the end how cool that would be do you do you put darren 101 candles on their cake do you make Granny blow all of that out? <laughs> Do you like that? Like, I feel like I would need that. My Uncle Earl turned 104. On the 21st of this month, he lives in New Orleans with his daughter. That's nuts. So two, no, th- we now know three that would have been older than Hank Williams. Yeah, uh, there was a man who lived in our hometown, Mr. John Calvin. He died at 102 and I think he was born in 1918. He died in 2020, right before COVID. Um, and he was completely there to the very end and can tell you, you know, his life story. I mean, he was born right after World War One ended. You just think about that. Right. About how old that was. About He was... Uh, <laughs> He he lived in Washington, D.C. for a long time before he came back to Mississippi, and he was a fan. You're not a baseball fan, so you won't get this, but he was a fan of the Washington Senators, which that team quit playing in like the 1950s or something. That was his baseball team. That just kind of shows you how old he was. He was hanging in there, though, huh? He was hanging in there. <laughs> They're going to make a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably probably not. Well, even just as you, as you age, I mean, the big joke right now for – people our age or of our generation will it's like when you when you think of something that was 20 years ago you automatically go back to like 1980 you're thinking that's the 80s but no it's like yeah I know. The, you know it's like the 2000s and you and, and you know i know for those that are you know older than that you think poof you know that doesn't you know that doesn't mean anything but you know you have this um, idea that or there's this sort of rumor that nsync which would have been bid back in the late 90s early 2000s is fizzing to go back on reunite go back on tour and I'm loving all of the stuff online that's poking fun at, like, if you don't have a one in front of your birthday year, sit down, sit this one out, let the rest of us, you know, be able to get a ticket. And when we went and ate uh, this past weekend, we were it got, came up and I asked our waiter, what year were you born? And he was like, 2001. I was like, oh, no. that just, you know, that just makes you like, where was that moment that you just felt like, oh, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a youngster anymore. I have, I have officially switched over to. We would be midlife. I know many thinking forty-ish or late thirties is still considered fairly young. I get that when you're thinking about Miss Ruby and everybody else turning 100, 102. But you do recognize where there's like a switch, and you're like, I have, I have made it to midlife. I am no longer spring chicken. I think you're. I think you're old when you have to get somebody to do something on your phone for you. You know. Oh, when you have to ask your children for something. I know. <laughs> 
how do I get this app on my phone? You know, it's like you have to hand it to somebody. Or any under. other sort of technology. I mean, I think that's totally true because you you pass that down too, like helping your parents figure out um, DVDs or the TiVo whenever that came around or having, you know, and then when your parents first get the iPhone and now your kids are showing you sort of the different uh, things and um like Apple, uh, the smartwatches. We got one for, for my daughter to keep in touch with. She doesn't have a phone. But she came over the other day and started doing on mine and started showing me all this stuff that I had yeah. absolutely zero idea that this device was sort of sort of capable of. And um, I was like, huh, look at you teaching your mama old tricks. About a year or two ago, my wife bought me a record player um, because I was trying to get into you know vinyl records and all this kind of stuff. And I did not know how the thing worked. I had no clue. I never used one before. Well, the movies just show so, that they pick it up and drop it. So yeah, so I I or had to, I had to call my mom and I was like, "Tell me how to hook this thing up." And I FaceTimed with her and she showed me how to hook it up and she's like, "Now you know how I feel, you know, when I download an app or something and can't get it to work. This is how I feel. Useless." <laughs> just just disconnected. I think yeah. would be would be the route uh, or the word that I would use instead of useless, but disconnected. Man, if you had to go back and do things a different way, I mean, too, it's like showing your kids a rotary phone, like one that actually hooks into a wall. There is a video that has been released or going around watching kids trying to figure <laughs> out, like, how does this sort of thing work? Um, you know, I don't know if my kid has ever talked on a real phone, like a like a landline. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's seen it because if she's been at the office, you know, they have still have. But other than that, it's just they're non-existent. I wouldn't know where to find one or sort of what to what to do with one. They've kind of we have one in the back here in one of our studios. And we had an intern recently, Jacob, who came in and I was showing him and he just laughed. He was looking at it. He's like, this is the this is a phone, you know, because this is a big hunk of plastic and metal. But I remember, Rebecca, I'm old enough. We were on the party line. Are you older line. than me? I'm 40. Okay. Yeah, you are for a I, few more months. We had the party line. Absolutely. Growing up. And I remember, you know, calling other people. I'd have to wait until somebody got off the phone. You tell that to kids nowadays. They'll look at you like Could you imagine if your kids had to call into a radio station and request a song and then actually sit by the radio to see if it came on instead of just picking it out of their stream or whatever it may be? I wonder what Hank Williams would think of the way streaming and all has done today. Huh, be a good question asking. Well, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Today, Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. good things don't forget you can watch us we are on your computer your mobile device just head on over to super talk tv 
timely song there, Will. I appreciate that. As we're going to find out more about NASA's Stennis Space Centers and their new enhanced use agreement with a 3D printed rocket company called Relative Space. They are going to use one of the vertical text test stands there on the complex for something cool. 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 Kevin Power, he's the deputy assistant director for project management, planning and control in the NASA Stennis Engineering and Test, um, is joining us to tell us more. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Rebecca. Good afternoon. I got so caught up in the good song, I got it all walked out. But this is really cool. I find this, I find all things Dennis fascinating. And I think 3D printing is pretty cool. And I think the that fact that you two are sort of uh, crossing paths is really interesting. So how did this happen? Well, you know, NASA has quite a few facilities out here. We have in the AB complex our large test bands, which date back to the Apollo time when they tested the stages, and then we uh, also have our E-Complex. It's a more modern stand, started in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and uh, doing a lot of component level testing, you know, parts of the engine, and it can do up the full engine. But some of the big stands, um, you know, right now we have the space launch system going on, so we're using the A-1, which is renamed to the Fred Hayes test band, to do our um, RS-25 engine testing. And we're still using the B2 for the stage test, and we did the core stage test a few years back, and we're gearing up for the uh, um, exploration upper stage to do that testing, probably in the 2025 time frame. So the other facilities out there do not have a use right now. So NASA was given uh, this, and you kind of mentioned it, an enhanced use lease authority through Congress to uh, take our, I guess, underutilized facilities that we're not uh, ready to get rid of and put those to use in support of commercial entities. Which I think is uh, a win-win. And this is the first time that this has ever been done, right? Because usually you guys are locked down, locked tight there at Stennis Space Center, and it's just about the business, which is of NASA. So, I mean, this is a big deal that they've even sort of allowed this to happen. Yeah, this is a big deal. We we did have the uh, R-68 program with Aerojet Rocketdon out on a B-1 test van. And that just finished up in August. So they were testing their R-68 engine there. And that was in support of uh, Department of Defense mission. So there's a little bit of a different agreement. We call it the Space Act Agreement. We work with them. But this is uh, kind of a brand-new thing. It's like leasing a house. So we're turning the entire test stand over and 30 acres surrounding it to relativity. And they have um, other locations on site. So they're up to about 300 acres now leasing um land and they're building their own test stand out in part of the test complex and this is taking a underutilized facility that NASA had and reconfiguring it. It's um going back to a stage test stand. So that was the original, you know, setup for that stand, the A two it tested the second stage of Saturn five. It transitioned over to Space Shuttle main engine in about seventy six did Constellation uh, J2X engine testing from 2011 to 14. So kind of coming full circle, going back to a stage test stand configuration again. And they're doing the upgrades for you, which is always fun, right? Like they're coming in yeah. and investing in in the property there at Stennis. Obviously, you guys are doing them a favor by providing the space, and then it's already there. It's a win-win, but it's going to see a facelift thanks to this agreement. It will. It will. So they signed a seven-year lease with an option for a 10-year lease, and it can go further than that in the future, just depending on their needs. Um, so we'll turn the entire test stand over to them. And NASA also supplies, um, I guess, support out there. So we have the high-pressure industrial water complex, which supports all those big test stands. So 
they'll be relying on us to provide some support, but they'll pretty much take that test stand, reconfigure it, and they'll have their own personnel doing the engine testing or the stage test in this case. Which I know you represent NASA, Kevin, but tell us a little bit about the company or what you know, or maybe they'll be doing with those, or what will they be testing? I know it has to do with 3D uh, printing, which I think is really fascinating, but yet definitely don't understand it all. So kind of what will they be using it for to test? Yeah, so they're relatively, well, no pun intended, but a new company. Um, We started testing with them in 2016 on their first engine called the Aeon 1. It was a thrust chamber. Uh, they went on to develop that engine, and they did their first launch back in March of this year. It was called the Terran 1, using that Aeon 1 engine. Um, I don't know if you remember that slide or not. And they've kind of pivoted. They always had in mind a bigger rocket, and that's a Terran R rocket. So they pivoted, and they're going straight to developing the Terran R rocket, and along with uh, what they call the Aeon R engine. So there will be 13 engines on the bottom of their first stage. And this particular test stand, A2, will be testing that first stage. So, in a, you know, they'll do some developmental tests and work up to a full flight test configuration and do basically what we call green run testing to prove it's ready to fly. Which that's so, what uh, NASA does well, or at least the Center Space Center does so well, is making sure that engines are proper and prepared to take whom or whatever own up into the atmosphere, which I think it always is a good reminder for those listening how cool what Stennis Space Center does, and without us here in Mississippi, you know, there's a lot of missions uh, that just wouldn't wouldn't happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, pretty much everything that NASA has flown has come through here for the engine testing, and it's still that way. Like I mentioned, the space launch system, um, we'll continue testing those engines here. We tested all the ones that flew this past November on the first launch of that vehicle, and we'll continue, you know, testing into the future, and, you know, since we have those capabilities, we're not utilizing them. We're allowing private companies to come in and lease those spaces from us, and uh, we provide support to them in whatever way they need. We have, a, you know, like I mentioned, the high-pressure industrial water, have high-pressure gas facilities out here, propellant contracts. So a lot of things there, you know, they need just like we need. So um, it's a win-win, like you mentioned. Will it be where maybe whatever they're creating or innovating or building, will it be something that maybe NASA could in turn be able to utilize in their operations, or is it just kind of completely different what they may end up wanting to use that for in the market? Well, it's, you know, it's an unmanned vehicle, but NASA will most likely buy, uh, you know, rides on it, just like they're doing now from the other space companies, you know, all the satellite launches go to private industry launches. Uh, we don't have anything within the government that launches um, satellites. We kind of stick to the manned space flight program, and a lot of that for low-Earth orbit's already been turned over to the private industry. So we're looking out more to the moon and Mars, you know, with the space launch system. But um, NASA will definitely utilize this vehicle for future launches. Kevin, have you ever gotten to push the button on any of it? Like, you ever got that red button that says go for the test? Do you ever get, do y'all, like, get to draw straws, or is that a specific job description? I want to know who gets to push the button to turn on the engine. Yeah, that's a specific job. Oh, man. Group who they, um, you know, they train on that for years, and they work their ways up from, you know, transfer engineers to working on the consoles and, you know, being a test uh, conductor and then test director. So it takes a while to uh, get to that point, and 
I'm not in the operations group. I'm in the project management group, so uh, I can't say that I've ever pushed the button on it. Well, there's still hope. Hold out hope, Kevin. You never know when (laughs) they may have to call in for, you know, sick and you have to fill in. I just thought, you know, it's just that there's something intrinsic about just wanting to be able to push or pull the lever, not sure how it goes. Or, you know, it's Wildy Coyote when he pushes it down and then it blows up. It just, I don't know, it feels like it would be (laughs) a lot of of fun. It does sound like, though, you have a great job. What's your background, Kevin? How did you find yourself there at Cine Space Center? Uh, originally from New Orleans and uh, went to University of New Orleans and graduated college and couldn't find a job in town. So uh, spent about four years out of town, came back in March of 89. So I've been here at Stennis since. Uh, I was able to get back home. So I still live in uh, Mandeville, Louisiana. I uh, make the commute over, but I was, you know, just excited to get back home and find a high-tech job, good-paying job in this local area. And Stennis definitely provides that to the local area. Um, both Louisiana and Mississippi. So, and I've been here since. I love it. Um, it's a great place to work, and I think a lot of people will agree with me there. Well, and I think it's one of our best-kept secrets. I think more Mississippians need to recognize that there's jobs of all kinds, even though you're not necessarily in the operations part, Kevin. You you know, you're on the engineering sort of project management side, and you mentioned good paying. And right here in Mississippi, we need to know more about those jobs that are available there in Hancock County and what all, you know, is offered at Cine Space Center. Yeah, relativity, you know, with their work here, they're looking to employ quite a few people um, and grow this, grow their company out here. They're going to do all their engine testing out here, so I know they'll definitely uh, grow the local economy, and we do have, uh, you know, other uh, tenants out here that also employ, uh, you know, engineering-type, you know, high-tech jobs. Well, maybe relativity uh, needs a needs a button pusher, so there's still hope for me yet, right, Kevin? Yeah, you could you could apply to relativity. Uh, you know, they're growing their workforce. A lot of young people out here, and you know, they do have some older talent, and uh, you know, they have the experience training those younger workforce. So it's uh, you yeah, know, looks like a good future for Stennis out here. Well, I appreciate your time, Kevin. So many good things going on. I always like talking about Stennis. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Yep, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Enjoy. All righty, you guys stick with us. I got more for you up next. In other words. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. good things don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm you can also stream us from the supertalk mississippi app we hope you know you can always find us too on your local supertalk mississippi radio station i know it's monday friday seems so far away but don't forget supertalk will have you covered when it comes to high school football you just go to supertalk.fm slash high school or you can click sports on the supertalk mississippi app and find out everything you need hey will if you didn't catch a score can you go back and watch or do anything like that 
Yeah, we got all kinds of stuff there for you at supertalk.fm slash high school. All the scores, you can scroll through all of them and search the teams and all that kind of fun stuff. And, uh, boy, it was a fun week of high school football. This week's a little bit more lax because a lot of teams are off. They have bye weeks. Um, but <laughs> more than a third of the season's already over. That's how fast it goes. Yes. Oh, you say that, Mary. Everybody gears up and gets really excited, but if you're working it, like so much of our hard staff behind the scenes are doing the scoreboard show or the preview show, you know, it's a grind from the beginning to the end. And so it's, I got home at midnight on Friday. So it's a, it's a yeah. love-hate relationship. It's, it's a lot of work, but it is, it's one of those things where at the time it is, it's, yes, it is a grind, but at the same time, it's really, really fun um, because people are so excited about it. I mean, Friday night at, at 10.30, the phone, is you, all the lines are lit up. People are texting in. It's crazy in Mississippi. Well, I know maybe college sports didn't turn out the way everybody wanted to this weekend for whatever team. However, there was a good headline I posted on the Good Things Facebook uh, group coming out of the JSU's game. And I'm, I'm getting her name wrong, but I think it's Armenta is her last name. But she was the first woman player in Jackson State University's football history and is believed to be the first woman to kick in an HBCU Division One history. She's a freshman on the JSU soccer team from California. She was added to the roster this week due to injury, so it wasn't her dream to be a kicker. She just got called to the called up for the uh, opportunity and she did well. She also kicked in high school um, at her high school there in California. So I think that's pretty hey, that's pretty cool. I think uh if you can if you can do the task, go yeah. have, you know, sort of go out there and go have go have um have fun with it. That I would be terrible at that. So that's <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely not something I would necessarily uh, have ever been called up for for my high school football team. I can guarantee you that. But hey, if she can do it, you rock it, um, lady. Earlier we were talking about things that you know makes you feel a little bit older, or once you've sort of crossed over that. And a lot of times it's thinking about your the difference in your childhood from your child's childhood, or from now from your grandchildren' um, childhood. I can't even imagine how things will be different once my kids have kids and even you know sort of thinking all the way back to when we did things versus then dan and hattiesburg says don't forget about sitting by the radio with your cassette recorder and hopes of recording your favorite song kids these days don't know the struggles we had way back when and then bubba from meridian says you actually had to sit and watch mtv for hours just to watch a popular popular video like and actually have a music video i was thinking about that the other day like I can't tell you the last time I watched a music video. It would have to be Jason Aldean and all the things that came came with that, but only because yeah. it made headlines for whatever reason. And it was on YouTube. And right? it was on YouTube. Yeah. It wasn't on an actual um, like platform that you sat and watched the top ten. I saw where Carson Daly was sharing that I think TRL or yeah TRL. Yeah, Total Request Live. I think it turned like 25 or 30. <laughs> that makes you feel really old. That makes you feel like really old. Or maybe because MTV just celebrated 40. So maybe it was, th- maybe it's 30, 25, 30 years. Anyway, and it just, when you would sit and actually have to call in and make your request, not text in, not, t- you know, not X tweet in or whatever they call it now, how, how different things. Did you ever call in and request a song? No, I don't think I ever did. I never was big on that. I did record the songs, though. I had a radio that allowed me to record uh, cassette tapes directly from the radio, which was awesome. And I, I had 
stacks and stacks of tapes that I would record. Being like a radio geek that you are now or kind of like production, did you do the whole like figure out Napster, doing CDs? Oh, yeah. Doing, like, I was were you big that? on that. We were burning CDs left and right, you know, and – Passing them out to your friends yeah. and labeling. You probably still have like a stack of your like label, what they, you have to write on it, sort of what it. Yeah. Sad mix. Sad. Ni- 1997. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you think they're missing out on a little bit of fun for having to like wait and work for it? I do. I think you I. You know, the, that was part of it. It was, I remember when Napster came out and it was like somebody just, blew, my mind was blown that you could do that. You didn't have to sit there and wait and, and record it. And it was really cool, but it also took something out of it as well. Right. There was something fun about sitting in front of the radio waiting for the DJ to actually play your favorite. Yeah. And then you get really excited. Now we hear those same songs in the grocery store being played over the loudspeaker. That's how long ago it was for those particular songs. All right. You guys stick with us. We got more for you up next. You got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Will and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.